What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about our friends Mike and Virginia Chevalier over at Chevalier Mortgage. Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans and proud CSU alums, but they have supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. And since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options. And if you're interested in refinancing, give them a call. They'll look at the big picture for you and tell you what's right and if you should do it. So make sure to check them out, dnvrmortgage.com. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. All right, Mace, let's hop into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday, the last Tuesday of 2020. A good sight to see for many people around the world. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. Guys, classes at MSU Denver Online are starting up very, very soon. January 19th, and you still have time to get in on classes because one of the best things that you can do to protect yourself against economic downturn is to get an education which allows you to adapt into varying careers. And MSU Denver is all about adapting. They've already mastered the art of online learning. So if you want to get mastered in something with education, make sure to check out msudenver.edu slash online to see all they have to offer. My boy, Mace, what's going on? Welcome back to Denver. Well, thank you very much, Zach. It's uh, it's good to be back. And I've spent the last few minutes trying to come up with a DraftKings pick of the week because um, let's face it, we can't do NFL this week. It, it, there are there are so many teams playing out the string, uh, so many teams you don't know their quarterback situation. So I'm like, okay, do I go for a college game here? So admittedly, I've been distracted for the last couple of minutes thinking of what I'm going to do for a pick of the week because I don't have anything up my sleeve. Uh, did you find anything? Because I, I, I might as well just dive in right now. This is going to be, as was said on The Simpsons once, for people who are those compulsive types who have to bet because you had a their Jimmy the Greek parody, Smooth Jimmy Apollo, the man who was right 52% of the time, who got on the air and said, 
first game today, Denver, New England is too close to call. But if you're one of those compulsive types who has to bet, I don't know, uh, Denver. And of course, the Homer bets on the Broncos and they end up falling behind 55 to 10. So that's that my pick is going to be for one of the for you compulsive types who have to bet because I'm just not sure. Uh, well, Mace, I'm going to go with something I'm pretty sure about for my draft kicks being the draft Kings pick of the week. I'm going to go with the University of Alabama. Shocker. I know this Friday to beat Notre Dame by 19 and a half points. So they're going to win by 20 or more. I mean, Notre Dame just absolutely got clobbered by Clemson and Alabama is just as good of a team. If not better, Alabama is going to take it to them. This game's not going to be close. Alabama is just playing for the championship. They just have a little roadblock to get through Notre Dame. So give me Alabama and 19 and a half points over Notre Dame on DraftKings Sportsbook. See, that's the only game I would actually feel good about providing a a prediction on at this point, but uh, I can't because I knew you were going to get it. That is, that is your thing. (laughs) Just like I wouldn't touch the brave strikeouts. Exactly. I have to, I have to respect that. So I'm, I'm going to go against what I want to see happen. Let's, let's fast forward to to Saturday and you've got Texas A&M and, uh, and North Carolina that are, that are squaring off. Of course, Texas A&M, they are on the outside looking in the fifth team in the CFP rankings. And of course, the 14 playoff playing in the, the orange bowl. And you've got AM sitting there right now as a seven and a half point favorite. And while I think Carolina is going to score a lot of points as they tend to do, the Tar Heels defense is just absurdly bad. And I think it'll, it, it, it'll fade over the course of the game. So even though I'm hoping Sam Howell and company get it done, I think they'll get done the offensive side, but I don't think the Tar Heels defense is going to be up to the challenge. So I'm going to take Texas A&M you know, they're giving seven and a half to Carolina. Wow. Picking against your guy, Sam Howell, but Mesa, I I like the breakdown. I think Texas A&M right now is a better team than Notre Dame. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I think in terms of just who the better team is, I think A&M should be in there. So you get no disagreements from me on that one. Yeah. I mean, you could be a great quarterback and not have the the best around you. Now he's gotten out some outstanding offensive uh, components. He's got a couple of running backs who's going to be, who are going to be drafted, but, the defense for, for Carolina, this is a defense that gave 53 points to wake forest. Oh man, that's brutal in, in this season. I mean, it, it's, it's a mess. And uh, Carolina found themselves in shootout after shootout this year. And you go up against uh, a, an SEC defense with, with, a, with a lot of, with a lot of speed. And after the opening three games of the sea, the opening three games of the season uh, in which A&M, gave up 102 points in their first three games, including uh, 52 to Alabama. Since then, AM has given up 14, 31, 3, 7, 20, and 13. Now, Carolina, I think, is going to get some points on that, but AM will get just enough stops, and their offense will do, will do what it takes. Uh, AM's offense, by the way, has, has scored at least 31 points in four of its last five games. So I think they're going to find enough to put a big number on Carolina that Sam Howell won't be able to match. But It'll be fun to watch this game, no doubt. 
Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. And Mace, it seems like there's no doubt anymore that Vic Fangio will be coming back. Uh, of course, we got the report from Adam Schefter on Sunday morning. And then yesterday, Vic said the indication all along from upper management is that he is going to return in 2021. Mace, I ask you two questions. Is that right? Is that the right move? And also, why is he coming back after, what, a 12-19 and 19 record with one game left in his second season? Well, the 12-19 and 19 record, I mean, it does represent improvement. <clears throat> Pardon me. Improvement, albeit modest, as I try to clear my throat this morning. And so much went askew this year. You're not giving him a free pass, but you're, you're looking at the bigger picture and saying, all right, there are, there are some good things happening. The team has not up and quit uh, on, on Vic Fangio. I, th- I think the team up and quit on Vance Joseph there uh, down the stretch, really of both the seasons that he was on the job. Uh, we haven't seen that with Vic Fangio. We've seen players get better individually on Vic Fangio's watch. I, I think I know, even though I know there are certain fans in this market who want to see change, I think when you look at the big picture, you look at the unsettled ownership situation, you look at the fact that if the Broncos did fire Vic Fangio, this would not be a top shelf job. I mean, it's not, it's not as good a job as the chargers right now. It's not as good a job as the Jaguars, believe it or not, if it were, if it were open and, you know, people may shudder at that, but in Jacksonville, you're naming your quarterback and it's going to be Trevor Lawrence. So because of those things, the Broncos would kind of shuffle to the back of the deck if the job were available. You're better off just sticking with Fangio and uh, seeing what he can do. Now, that being said, Zach, it would not at all surprise me if a slow start next year puts Fangio in some trouble right then and there. If they're sitting there at 0-3 for a third consecutive season, that's the sort of thing that may take that seat from warm to downright sizzling. He will be in on a warm seat going into the year, not a hot seat, but if they get off to a bad start, I think it's something that he could have the hottest seat in football. And that's not something that, uh, that the Broncos have been good at getting off to those hot starts uh, as of recent, especially under Vic. Uh, So I I agree with you, Mace. Um, I don't think this is uh, okay. You get a third year, no matter what. And then we'll maybe even a fourth year. No, no, no. The second year was pretty much from the start. It was, you're going to get a a full second year and we're going to make sure that you get a third year as well. But that's as far uh, as the leash goes. And Mace, another reason why is if John Elway were to fire Vic Fangio right now, that would be three coaches that did not make it to their third year. Now, Gary Kubiak obviously was not because John Elway fired him necessarily. Uh, It was because Gary had his health problems. But then you had Vance Joseph only last two years after Gary lasted two years. And then if Vic Fangio only lasted two years, how can you be successful, Mace? I mean, you you look at the successful teams in the league. It, it is so hard to find the Gary Kubiaks in the world that can come in and in year one or year two, come in and just win a Super Bowl. You need continuity. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs and, and what they did. They've had Andy Reid there for a long, long time. Uh, Bill Belichick, another example. So you need this continuity. And John I think says continuity is more important than than anything else right now. So he has given every benefit of the doubt to Vic Fangio. And I think that benefit of the doubt is going to be passed throughout 
maybe all of the organization. If not, it's going to be passed to, I think, every part of the organization, maybe not the quarterback. That That's the one part that I'm not sold on that's mm-hmm. going to get that benefit of the doubt. Yeah, there's going to be a scapegoat. It's just I don't think it's going to be the head coach. Uh, it may not even be Tom McMahon, even though uh, some good work over the last few weeks maybe was undone by uh, a bad start, uh, certainly a bad start to, to the game, and then Brandon McMahon, Brandon McMahon is going double doink in that game against the Chargers on Sunday. That's that's not on, on McMahon, but obvious coverage breakdown on the opening kickoff. Uh, big hole for Nasir Adderley to take off there for the Chargers and set them up for a field goal, and then a penalty on the on the ensuing kickoff uh, after that. Uh, just you wonder if if there's going to be a scapegoat on the coaching staff. It will be Tom McMahon, even though. I really, I, I don't, I, I don't necessarily see better on the market right now. We'll see how the market looks for a special teams coach. I would be inclined to, to stay the course. A couple of things. First of all, we, t- we talked about how this team started off badly uh, under Vic Fangio. It's too bad. You can't take Vance Joseph of the first quarter <laughs> of the season, Vic Fangio of the last 12 games of the season and put them together because Zach, if you took, Vic, if you took Vic Fangio's record in games five and on and, and then combined it with Vance Joseph's record in games one through four, uh, you'd have a coach that was above 500. Oh, wow. One game above 500. You'd have 16 and 15 uh, in, in total. But uh, the other thing is there will be a scapegoat. And to some degree, it's going to be Drew Locke in my opinion. Mm. And that's now it doesn't mean he's not the starter next year, but it does mean that there's going to be somebody in the building that at least pushes him. It does mean that the the dynamic of the quarterback position is going to look different, that we are potentially talking about that dreaded or that beloved C word that, uh, that go that you go into camp with depends on your perspective and that's competition. Mm. And I think we will, we will see something that maybe it's still drew lock one insert other quarterback here too, but it's something that is going to be open for a while and open for whoever comes in to, to push. And if that's the case, you certainly hope that the competition slash hedge is, is viable. And, and you hope it actually uh, is, a bit inspiring. I, I would say like, for example, that uh, um, Andy Dalton may have seemed uninspiring a few weeks ago, but now is somebody who's playing a lot better for Dallas and could be the reason that Dallas makes the playoffs. If things fall their way on Sunday, if they beat the giants and then the football team loses to the Eagles and uh, suddenly Andy Dalton as a hedge doesn't sound so ridiculous when you say, boy, he managed to step in, and once he got his footing under him, uh, save the Cowboys' season. Um, that being said, I'm still kind of in the Mario, the the younger guy, the younger Hags camp, the the Mariota, uh, Darnold, if he's available. I think the Broncos are certainly going to inquire on him if the Jets make him available, and of course Matthew Stafford. I think the, the Broncos would inquire on him as well. Although there's going to be significant competition, and it may start with a team that we saw get blasted last night on Monday night football. And that's the new England Patriots. I think they're going to be heavy on, on, uh, on Matthew Stafford, if the lions make him available. So it's not a slam dunk, what the Broncos do, but there's going to be somebody else in that room. And I, and the only one of those guys that I mentioned, that's the clear starter would be 
Stafford, the rest, it's a, it's competition, but that's where your scapegoat's going to lie. I totally agree, Mace. And that's why I think Stafford right now is the number one choice for the Broncos and will be if he's made available. And you mentioned it, there's going to be a lot of teams that are going after him. That's why the Lions are going to be able to get a lot in return if they do make it. So it would make sense for them to move on from a 31-year-old quarterback uh, if they're going to move in a different direction because they're not just going to be doing the Joe Flacco trade where they dump him for a fourth-round pick. No, they'll be able to get something. Uh, And I agree with you. There will be competition and some sort brought in for Drew Locke, some serious competition. But Mace, let's take a step back and look at this coaching staff. Mm -hmm. So we know Vic Fangio is going to be back. What does that mean for the rest of the staff? Is this a superstar staff that you don't let anyone go? uh, Or could there be some big or small changes? Well, the interesting thing, Zach, is one of the reasons for keeping Vic Fangio beyond his contract, which we've discussed, is the quality of the staff. So that says to me, if you're bringing back Vic Fangio, your goal should be to bring back as much of this staff as you possibly can. And that means uh, certainly Mike Munchak comes back. Now there are family considerations as well. If you're the Broncos, you also want Mike Munchak in there because if something does go sideways early next year, that bad start that, uh, sends the seat from warm to roasting, then let's face it. Munch is your guy in the bullpen mm-hmm. who yep. has a winning season in Tennessee in his back pocket has proven to be a capable head coach. And, and then you step in and you, that would be minimally disruptive. Uh, if you, if you had to, if you had to go ahead and make a move there. And then um, on top of that, Mace, he yeah. gets a, he gets, you know, 12, 11, 10 game period to show if he should be the head coach of the, of the future. Right. I, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope the Broncos uh, get off to a better start because you look back at the last couple of years and you can say that those 0 and 4, 0 and 3 starts really kind of sunk things at the beginning. Oh yeah. And, and, and sunk the hopes. And uh, it would be nice to see, Vic Fangio and company get off to a better start and see what they do when they're playing higher leverage games over the course of the year than they faced in the last couple of years where there's been, it's been a lot of playing, playing out the string, especially in December. So then you look around. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. At this point. So then you look around the staff and uh, you've got, you know, Zach Azani is an excellent receivers coach, for example. Now, could someone come calling for Azani to be a coordinator Perhaps, but even though he's an outstanding position coach, looking at the Broncos offensively as a whole, it might be a tough sell. So it, that might lead everything settling toward Azani being back with the Broncos in 2021. And, and that's outstanding. And you hope that his work with Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler is going to result in the same improvement in terms of drop rate that we saw from Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton over the years. And I think that's, that's going to carry through the defensive side. You have Bill Co the the guys you kind of look at are Bill Kolar on the defensive line and Reggie Herring at inside linebackers and John Pagano over at outside linebackers. It's, It's possible that somebody could look at Pagano for a coordinator's role somewhere else because he has that in his background. So that's one thing that you keep an eye on Uh, with Bill Kolar you know, he, it's, it's all, it's a question of, you know, how long he wants to keep coaching as he gets up, as he gets up into his, into his late sixties. If he wants to keep coaching, you keep, you bring him back. I mean, uh, you see uh, the work that he's done 
really putting this defensive line together this year uh, with, you know, with, with cast offs and, uh, and, and secondhand guys and, and making up for injuries. Bill Co- this might be Bill Kolar's best coaching job. And that's saying a lot because his career is littered with outstanding single season coaching jobs. So if he wants to come back, he should come back. And I'd say the same also for, for, for Reggie Herring, for the work that he's done. Uh, obvi- not a good game for Joseph Jewell on Sunday, but getting Joseph Jewell up to speed and also getting Alexander Johnson to a point where he's becoming what, quietly becoming one of the better inside linebackers I- in the game. So, yeah, change could be coming, but if it comes, it may be because someone like Kolar says, okay, it's time for me to step away. Uh, it's not because you would want him to leave it. It would be because he decided it was, it was time to, to end his coaching career, but I haven't gotten any indication that's going to happen. So if Bill Kolar wants to be back, I expect to be back. I totally agree with, with all of your analysis, Mace. I, I think you're, you're right about the hot name on the offensive side, potentially being Zach Azani, but just the way this Broncos offense has been, I think he's a, a year or two away from that. I don't think that's happening this year. And Mike Munchak, I mean, someone would have to come calling for a, a head coaching position, which certainly could happen, uh, especially with what he's done with Garrett Bowles this year. That, not the Broncos record, could put him on the radar. But I would expect him back as well uh, because I, I I'm not sure he's going to make that jump. And then on the defensive side, I think there's one name to kind of keep an eye on, and that's Ronaldo Hill. He He's the up-and-coming name. And if a team calls Vic and says, Vic, who's the next Brandon Staley? And Vic is honest with him. He may be pointing to Ronaldo Hill, although he may also say, we don't have any of those guys anymore because he doesn't want to lose Ronaldo Hill. Uh, and, and right now, kind of stuck in the secondary back there, Ronaldo could get an upgrade to a defensive coordinator position. And if someone does that because they, they want to pull him because they think he can be the next Brandon Staley because he's learned under Vic Fangio, I could see that happening. And that that would be a bummer, but Mace, there's nothing that the Broncos can do to keep him because Vic isn't moving on from Ed Donatel in order to promote Ronaldo Hill. Yeah, and I could never see Vic talking down a coach that he believed could be successful in a higher role. Yeah, I could never see Vic doing that. Because, yeah, I agree. because he's been on that other side of it for so long, and uh, the, the kind of the kind of man that Vic Fangio is, I, I don't believe would ever would ever do anything like that. So if he believes Ronaldo Hill is ready, then he will talk him up. And what's interesting, Zach, is Brandon Staley is going to get some interviews, and it would not surprise me at all if Brandon Staley does. Mm call on Ronaldo Hill to be his defensive coordinator. Yeah. If he gets a head coaching job. And that's something that that's something to keep your eye on. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. All right, Mace, let's move a level up in this. The coordinators, Pat Shermer's got a lot of heat this year. Ed Donatel, you know, he's Vic's guy. I think we both agree that if Vic's back, uh, Ed's back. So he's probably the safest of all three of these guys in my mind. And then of course, Tom McMahon, who certainly has got some heat one two or three how many of them are back mace all right i'm 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 gonna say all three are back oh spicy spicy that's the hot take mason T- tell um, me why uh you know those other two guys are back all right I, this is um, it's it's a little bit of it's a little bit of a free pass and i and i think with with tom mcmahon 
you step back and say, even though there were some frustrating mistakes more so early in the season than late, the special teams as a whole, the part that he controls now, McMahon is kicking. That's that's even though it's special teams, that's not really on Tom McMahon. Right. So the rest of it, the coverage. Yeah, the, the coverage breakdown early against the Chargers was frustrating, but the coverage on the whole has been better over the last 10 games. Uh, their, their placement punting has been has has been pretty good from some from Sam Martin. And again, the Charger game was kind of the exception to the rule of what we've seen from the special teams over the last nine, 10 over the last eight, nine games or so. So I'm inclined to bring Tom McMahon back. And part of it is also looking and saying, okay, is there an obvious better coach out there? Well, Dave Tobe's not going to be on the market in Kansas city. And that's one of the first guys you would think of. And I don't think there's an obvious guy out there. I, I do think it's possible they make him the coaching staff scapegoat, but I think that would be, that'd be a mistake. So I would bring Tom McMahon back and then Pat Shermer. This is, this is because the one thing you have not tried on offense over the last six years is continuity. You've shaken a lot of trees. You've gone through five different offensive coordinators since 2016. Just run it back. Just, just run it back with Shermer. Let's see what he does with Drew Locke uh, in an offseason that won't be normal, but maybe closer to normal. I was discussing this yesterday. Uh, would not at all surprise me if to get a full round of OTAs in, that they happen later than usual. And maybe OTAs go pretty close to trading camp to get all of those sessions in, uh, knowing that we might not be at a point where players are all getting the vaccine until late spring, early summer, that they could push that back to make sure that everybody gets the, the team work in. Because I think the ideal situation is that you're when you get back out there, everybody has had their vaccines. Right. Right. It, it, exactly. And Mace, that's, uh, I think there's one word that you need to use with Pat Shermer to explain why he's back and that's continuity. And, and, and not only because it would benefit the quarterback position, if it is drew lock, but because Vic has admitted m- many times this year, just how that would benefit a lot of people outside of the quarterback position. And that's very true. So I think that's the one word that you, that you just say, and you move on and Pat Shermer's safe. I believe he will be back next year at Donatel easy. It's Vic's guy and Tom McMahon mace 72 hours ago. I thought Tom McMahon would be back. I I was going against the grain with you because you know what? The special teams was improving and it was showing improvement every week, but man, Sunday was a step back and just kind of really hurt all of that progress that the special teams unit had been making. And again, Vic Fangio and John Elway want to give the benefit of the doubt if they can. And I think they were going to be able to give the benefit of the doubt if it wasn't for that poor special teams performance on Sunday. We'll see. If they bounce back and have a really good game on special teams against the Raiders, that could save Tom McMahon. If not, though, and you see any more struggles, I think that that's going to be the biggest scapegoat that we see, Mace. But I'm I'm there with you. I think it's very close, and I wouldn't be shocked if he comes back. And I know people would be outraged saying, you know, two losing seasons in a row with Vic Fangio and you're bringing everyone back to be fair, Mace, that's 
the one thing they haven't tried is continuity around their entire team. So you, even though they'd be doing the same thing, it actually be doing something different. Exactly. Like I said, you tried everything else. Just try this, try running it back, see where it goes. And another thing to consider Zach is just like with the head coach situation that we're talking about, if things do go sideways early and you feel like you got to make a change to try to salvage the season, then you have experience on your staff at offensive coordinator. Mike Shula can step in and be the offensive coordinator pretty easily. He's yep. done. He's done that with multiple teams in the NFL. So this is part of the reason why my part of my instinct is, okay, let's just see where, where it goes from here. Uh, see what drew lock can do with continuity of scheme Make sure you've got that hedge if, unless you do blow it up and bring in Matthew Stafford, but otherwise make sure you have that hedge. But Drew is there in his second year in a scheme, something he hasn't experienced since his sophomore into his junior season at the university of Missouri and find out what he can do. If, if you run it back with the same offense, with not having, with not having to start from zero once again. And, and yeah, he wasn't starting from zero this year because a lot of the language was the same, but the points of emphasis were different and also see what, uh, what Pat Shermer does with a greater understanding of what his offense's strengths are, because as the season went on, it became clear that he understood that two tight ends was the way to go more often than not. So let's see what happens if there are more two tight end sets from the start, even though you do get Cortland Sutton back. I think uh, fundamentally, as you're trying to, to bring Drew Locke along, this offense is still going to be better with two tight ends. And oh, by the way, you should have Albert Oak Webunam uh, back in there to be that second tight end from time to time. So let's see where, let's see where that goes. It, there were enough promising steps over, over the course of the season, even though you look and say, uh, you, you say, wow, the offense, it went from 28th in total yardage to 27th. It went from 26th in yards per play to, to, uh, to, to 25th, uh, only a mild improvement in points in points on the board. Of course, last year, the, the Broncos averaged, uh, how many points did they average that? I don't remember off the top okay. of my head. All right. There it we was... go. It was not good. It was 17.6 points per game averaged by the Broncos last year. This year, they're averaging 19.5. So they're up by you know, by just under two points per game. Improvement. If you want to, if yeah. you, if you want to sell uh, the, the, the team coming back next year, that's how you sell it. You say improvement. If you want to move on from everyone or change quarterback position, that's how you sell it. As you say, 19 points a game is unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Although, um, oh man, you, you do step back and think about it and say, boy, if they don't score 20 points against the Raiders on Sunday and they fit it, they have fewer than 20 points in five of their last six games. You start thinking, <laughs> right. I don't know. I, I, let, let me say this. I think it's likely that Pat Shermer is back, but I don't think he's out of the woods. I think if the offense, you know, I think if the offense goes out and lays an egg on Sunday against the Raiders who are a defensive disaster right now, then there may be a conversation to be had. Well, and that could be fair Mace because if they don't put up 20 points against the Raiders, the Raiders defense in the past six games has allowed 34 points per game. That is so, so bad. So, I mean, at home, 
against a Raiders team that is falling apart one in five in their last six games. If you can't put up 20, I mean, we're not even saying put up that 34 mark that they've been given up. If you can't put up 20, then sure. I could, I could see uh, Vic saying, well, let me think about this one more time. But I, I think that, that Pat Shermer is safe. I think the biggest question mark this offseason is going to be the quarterback position. And again, if they bring back Drew Locke, I think they're going to sell it as consistency. If they don't, they're just, you know, they're they're going to have plenty of stats to point to that say he just wasn't uh he just wasn't our guy, wasn't showing enough improvement that we needed and we're able to go get Matthew Stafford or someone like that. Well, the thing that I keep coming back to on the quarterback and and what you do, whether you bring in somebody else or not, is this if you had any position where you, you took a look across the board and said, okay, in one metric, in one efficiency metric, he's 35th of 36. In another efficiency metric, he's 29th of 36. In, in a stat like completion percentage, he's 36th of 36. And oh, by the way, even if all the, if, if you made all the drops into cash, Actions for every quarterback in the league, he'd still have the, the worst completion percentage in football. So if, if you had a, a player at any other position that was at or near the bottom in multiple methods of measuring his efficiency, would you stand pat? No, you'd, br- no. you'd bring in at least competition. Remember, or, or have competition on the roster because remember, even though we kind of scoffed at how viable it was, they weren't handing Garrett Bowles the job. He was supposed to compete with Elijah Wilkinson before Wilkinson got hurt. So my point being Zach is that why should quarterback be any different than the other positions that are underperforming? So you have to bring in somebody else. You have to. Right. And, and, and they certainly will. And Mace, I'd be very interested to see maybe in a couple of months, what the odds are on DraftKings Sportsbook for who the Broncos starting quarterback is. And speaking of DraftKings Sportsbook, Mace, there well, are. Well, first of all, I just to kind of jump in really quick before we move on. Um, Cause I retweeted this out. There was a uh, pro football focus uh, mock draft from Austin Gale, one of their writers. And, uh, I retweeted it and, and the reaction is I'm getting ratio, which tells you what people oh, think of this. Wow. With the 10th pick in the draft pro football focus has the Broncos taking Trey Lance, oh, the quarterback wow. from North Dakota state, who is a decided project only yeah. one year as a starter at the FCS level. It was spectacular, but still one year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I could see quarterback at 10, although I wouldn't even predict it now just because I don't think the Broncos want a young quarterback, but especially a project quarterback. I don't think that's a path John wants to go down. Yeah. I, I, I don't either, especially contract year for Elway, Vic Fangio's seat again, not hot, but warming up a little bit going into 2020 2021 he's got to produce a better season than he has the last couple of years i would say probably for Vic fangio next year it is it is play it is playoffs or bust with an asterisk the asterisk being that if it's a season like this year where 11 and 5 might not even get you in the postseason for the baltimore ravens then i could see 
10 and six or 11 and five, not being in the playoffs and saying, all right, Vic, most years it's a playoff team. We're going to run it back with you. But if it's a normal year, then I think it is playoffs or bust. Yeah, and, and I can definitely see that. Man, I wonder where Trey Lance would fall on DraftKings Sportsbook mm-hmm. odds of the Broncos being quarterback. My guess right now is Drew Locke would probably be the favorite. Me personally, I'd have to put Matthew Stafford up there. And you could get all of these amazing, fun props that DraftKings Sportsbook does by downloading their app, DraftKings Sportsbook. It's America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you download it now and use the code DNVR during sign-up, they have some awesome sign-up uh, sign offers for you. And also, get in on some basketball tonight. Get in on a stacked weekend of football, both in college and in pros. Starting on Friday, Mace, we've got some awesome bowls. Actually, you can bet on the CU game tonight. So we have college football all this week and then a loaded weekend of nfl football so make sure to check out DraftKings sportsbook america's top rated sportsbook app and go to the draft or, or go to the uh the app store now to download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app now and use promo code dnvr when you sign up to get these can't miss offers must be 21 or older colorado only restrictions apply see draftkings.com sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 well whether you win and want to celebrate or you lose and want to drown your sorrows, check out Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Of course, Christmas ale is still available. You can get it at your local grocery store or Costco. Christmas may be past, but it's still the holiday season. I'm looking outside, seeing a lot of snow on the landscape around me, and uh, it's a perfect time to sit back, crank up a roaring fire, and have some Christmas ale. You can get that at your local grocery store at Costco. You can get a Christmas ale a lot of places around the country. I've seen it all. I've seen it all over my travels over the last couple of months. Here in Denver, though, if you're looking for some fun outdoor activities, look no further than the Breckenridge Brewery because they've set up an awesome skating rink right outside of the farmhouse, the restaurant at their brewery down in Littleton, right off Santa Fe. Only $3 to skate with your own skates or $6 for skate rental. They also have an awesome tubing hill that is currently free. So, parents, You can enjoy some beers and delicious food in a cozy outdoor setup and then let the kids enjoy some winter wonderland fun. And of course, if you want to order some food from the farmhouse, no problem. Call 303-803-1380 from noon to 8 p.m. for pickup. Use that magical code DNVR and save $5 off your meal. You can pick up your food. You can get some beer as well from the farmhouse down in Littleton. They'll bring your order right out of the car, right out to your car for you. And don't forget, if you just want to have Little taste of Breckenridge Brews, their array of their array of varieties. Check out the 15 can sample. You can order that food drizzly. Get some Avalanche beer, some Hot Peak, some Strawberry Sky, and of course the Nitro Porter. Uh, it's it's all going to be there in that 15 can sample through through Drizzly Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. All right, Mace, let's hop into the comment section and talk to the people. And a reminder, if you want to leave a comment, well, how do you do that to be read on this pod? We'll go to thednvr.com at the top. Go to the podcast sections. Click on Broncos podcast. All of our podcasts will, will pop up, starting with the most recent one. You click on the one at the top, the most recent podcast, then scroll to the bottom of that page, and a comment section will pop up if you're a member of our family. And then 
you can leave your comment right there and it will be read on the next day's pod. So let's talk to the people that have done that, Mace. First one coming in from Pastor Rhett. What did we say was the expectation of this offense going into the season with the full complement of players? A young offense with both flashes and frustrations. Through 15 games, we've seen just that. The weapons are tantalizing. The talent is evident, but the execution makes Breck brew a lot of money. This is what we said was the expectation. Give the kids an offseason to grow and reload the defense with talent in the draft. Let the 2021, let's let 2021 prove us right or wrong we should take a page or two out of the nuggets playbook because topping the chiefs is going to be like beating the lakers for the next several years there's no shortcuts we can't afford to skip steps and i hope to goodness we don't try it's a long road out of hell and we're going to need each other as we make this journey so let's be good to each other broncos country love you all and here's to better years than this yeah here is to better years than this and uh by the way, if the Broncos score 28 points on Sunday, that will give them 20 points per game for the year. That's the that's a magic mm. number to to watch out for. And not that 20 is great, but that is stepping forward somewhat for this offense. Another num another number two to watch. Quite frankly, uh, Zach, it's going to be Drew Locke's touchdowns and interceptions on Sunday because. Right now, he's sitting there with 14 touchdowns and 15 picks. And I can hear it already. Yeah, oh, there was a Hail Mary interception, blah, blah, blah. You know, a lot of quarterbacks have Hail Mary interceptions over the years. But the bottom line is, he's sitting there with 14 touchdowns and 15 picks. And uh, if he was doing better, doing uh, adequately, it wouldn't be close enough to where you'd be talking about a Hail Mary interception making the difference. And I bring this up, Zach, because since the 2013 season no second year quarterback has thrown more interceptions than touchdowns with at least 320 attempts wow the last guy with more picks than touchdowns in his second year with at least 320 attempts uh or, or 300 attempts pardon me was jake locker back in 2012 wow yeah and we but, know what happened to him so you've had you've had 28 quarterbacks that since then if Locke can't throw two touchdowns with no picks then he will be sitting if he then or if or two touchdowns with one pick then he'll be sitting there with the first negative TD to INT margin for a second year quarterback since then that since 2012 not a good sign no, not, not a good sign. And Mace, I think one interception is going to be key in this game uh, because if Drew has one interception, not only will it make it very difficult for him to end the season with that positive touchdown to interception ratio because then he'd have to have three touchdowns, which mm -hmm. he's capable of doing, but we've only seen it a couple of times in his career. But also, if he has just one interception, he will very likely end the season leading the league in interceptions because right now he actually leads the league tied with Carson Wentz. If Carson does not play on Sunday, which I don't believe he will, then Mace, he will have sole possession of that. Either one's not good. This one just looks worse. And so if he has one pick, he's probably going to have a negative touchdown to interception ratio and also lead the league by himself with interceptions. And you know, what's amazing Zach as well is that based on when he, he has, Three fumbles lost this year, and all of those were in the games where he didn't have he, he didn't have picks. 
Yep. The last time he didn't have a turnover mace was week one. Right. So he's sitting there right now uh, with this streak of games with at least one turnover. And for his sake, I want to see him snap that in this game. And Mace, if play a he game does, without turnover. If he does, that would be, the, the Broncos could point to that and say, look, there's progression. He, he's taking steps forward. If he doesn't, the Broncos could point and say, this is, you can't win when your quarterback's turning the ball over. I mean, the way this season has unfolded, Mace, has just given everyone that once drew back uh, enough support for that. And, and Pastor Rhett, uh, to, to his point, saying continuity, just roll with that. This young guy needs it. Everyone that's saying the Broncos need to go make a big move to get another quarterback. Well, you have the league leading interceptions, that negative touchdown to interception mm-hmm. ratio, which hasn't happened since 2012 with Jake Locker that that Mace just pointed out. There, there's going to be whichever way John wants to go. He's going to have enough to back him in order to do that. Yeah, this is uh, and that's what's making this debate kind of uh, kind of harsh on social media is because whatever you want to see is there yeah there is something there is something to back you up uh, no matter what side of this that you're on windy city bronco you can't go off script until you've mastered the script this is a young offense where everybody is still thinking too much you need an unconscious understanding and trust about what every other player is doing before you can improvise they need time and repetition to build confidence in each other the good news is that we know who is playing every position on offense next season unless they dump lock they can all spend the time to build that chemistry. Can you remember the last time that happened? Yeah, again, it, it, chemistry, continuity, that's that's going to be the story of this offseason, especially if Drew Locke is the quarterback. Uh, and Mace, it is a good point. Let's say Drew Locke is or isn't back. Pretty much every other position on offense, we know for the most part. Yeah, I mean, you've you go back even to like Peyton Manning's last year, for example, and uh, the Broncos – in that offseason, lost Julius Thomas in free agency. They lost Orlando Franklin in free agency right there. So uh, it's more continuity than we've seen year to year. Gosh, I mean, in, in longer than I can recall, quite frankly, Zach, this is uh, it's a it's a pretty good sign. Of course, that being said, now we know there's some talent there, but if the, what if the continuity doesn't result in better results, then you say, okay, well then the problem was that the players weren't good enough. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So you hope that's not the case. Uh, And Mace, if you can't remember the last time it happened, I can guarantee I can't remember it. Yeah. Because I mean, you think (laughs) back to like uh, the Manning years and of course, you know, 2012 Peyton come himself comes in in 2013, they bring in Lou Vasquez. they, they bring in they bring in West West Welker. Uh, Julius Thomas ascends to the tight end position uh, in 2014. Uh, they 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 lose Eric Decker and they bring in uh, Emmanuel Emmanuel Sanders and you lose No Sean Moreno at running back and then and you figure it out between Ronnie Hillman and C.J. Anderson. So looking at a scenario where you could have near total continuity is uh, it's unusual. Yeah, it it certainly is. All right, Mason, next one's for you. Yeah, Count Locula says, in regarding my comment yesterday about bringing a free agent veteran wide receiver to mentor Judy, Larry Fitzgerald, A.J. Green, T.Y. Hilton are about the only options. Other than that, how about a hard-ass like Rod Smith as a wide receiver coach or maybe a more able dude like Eddie Mack? 
We have a young offense, yes, but very little leadership on that side of the ball. Not Shermer, not Vic, not really any commanding presence. Sure, Sutton will be back, but I think an old dude with some skins on the wall could do this oh some good. Love the count. Well, hate to burst your bubble, but I don't think Ed McCaffrey is leaving Northern Colorado before he has a chance to actually coach some games up there as the head coach. And Rod Smith, you know, Rod has a lot of good things to say, but Rod wants no part of the hours that coaches put in. <laughs> and I know this because over the years, he's told me that on multiple occasions because he, he likes the fact that in a normal year, obviously this wasn't a normal year in a normal year, he has pretty much free reign to show up at practice and talk to guys. Right. A, right. a lot of, a lot of those old, those, 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 those older guys, those former Broncos stars, the way that the Broncos have opened things back up to them, especially since John Elway became the executive VP of football ops back in 2011. Since then, it's been an open door policy and we've seen one former Bronco after another come in, watch practice, talk to the guys. And Rod was Rod's one of those guys who in a normal year, you see him standing on the, on the sideline during games, uh, not in the bench area, but kind of next to it, but close enough to where he can holler some advice, show up at practice, talk to the receivers, give them some advice. So that's one thing that we lost to the pandemic this year, Zach, is the fact that someone like Rod would just show up. And I'm sure that in a normal year, Rod would have been in Jerry Judy's ear many times by now. But unfortunately, it's a pandemic year. And if Rod got Jerry Judy's number on the, uh, on the phone and called him, that'd be well and good. But it wouldn't be the same as standing right there next to him. But that being said, Rod Smith that wouldn't want to put in the hours. He likes being able to come and go as he pleases. That's not happening. Rod Smith is a coach, not happening. <laughs> and uh, man, I think it'd be awesome to have Larry Fitz or AJ green uh, or even T Y Hilton in the Broncos receiver room uh, count. I just, I just don't see where it's happening. I think the Broncos are really, really, really going to rely on Cortland Sutton to be the leader of that room. And I agree. He, he's not, you know, that veteran leader that, uh, that you'd really, really want in there. But I think that's what they're absolutely counting on. I mean, why would Larry Fitz or AJ Green come here to be the fifth wide receiver? I think Larry Fitz, if he wants to be a fifth wide receiver somewhere, he's just going to stay. He's just going to stay put in Arizona. And I think AJ Green is going to have a bigger opportunity than that somewhere else. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. Um, but it's an idea yeah. I could I can totally get behind. If they were to do that, I think it'd be great. I just don't think those players would want to do that. Right. Why would you come here where it's pretty stacked at wide receiver? Yeah. On exactly. The, uh, the opportunities just aren't aren't going to be there. So uh, they're gonna they're gonna look elsewhere. Casper, it seems to me that we'll be looking for a new special teams coach if that does happen. Who are some candidates to bring in? Well, here's where you start, Mace. You start, especially when it comes to special teams coaches, you start with teams that are going to fire their coach, their head coach, which will then likely lose their entire coaching staff. That's what the Broncos did when they picked up uh, when they picked up Tom McMahon. They went on the market of fired head head coaches and found Tom McMahon from Indianapolis. Um, so, so you do that. So, Mace, who are some candidates to be to be canned? Well. You look at New York with the Jets. I'm not sure about their special teams coach. Um, you look at the Jaguars potentially. Um, and so that's, oh, Joe D. Right. What about, what about Joe D. Camillus, Mace? What would you think he, about that? I, I would say this. If 
if Joe D is on the market, he would be the best candidate. But don't forget, the other thing that you'd be fighting against here in making this higher is that Vic Fangio's seat is clearly warm, whereas you have other coaches that are taking jobs that uh, in their first year would not be uh, on even a warm seat going into that season. So again, I don't like if you're, if you're Joe D Camillus and the Jaguars let him go and it would not at all surprise me if with all the changes that happen in Jacksonville, that Joe D is back in 2021 uh, things work out. Why would he, why would he come to the Broncos? Why wouldn't he go somewhere else where it looked like there was the potential for more uh, stability. So, and Mace, that would be a reason to bring Tom McMahon back. Another right. reason is if you don't think that any replacement you're going to get is better than him. Yeah. Now, one name to look at, someone who is running the Chargers special teams right now is Keith Burns, former Bronco player. Yeah. And if they jettison that staff, do you consider somebody like him? Absolutely. That would be awesome. I would love that. Him or Joe D if they move on from Tom McMahon for me. Or, you know what, maybe just bring a special teams coach Bill Belichick in to, to run your special teams. Peyton Manning, your quarterback coach, and, and you're off and running. Well, if we're going to go all out here, um, Frank Beamer's retired. He was Virginia Tech's head coach, but he ran their special teams, and that was a core part of their identity during his year, his decades as the Hokies head coach. Why not give Frank a call and say, "Hey, you want to be an NFL special teams coach?" <laughs> well, maybe <laughs> you're just, in your seventies, but when you're enjoying retirement. But why not? <laughs> maybe maybe Frank and Bill can can be co special teams coaches here in Denver. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking like, okay, who's a guru that's out there? He was the first name that popped in my mind, even though he's <laughs> right. yeah happily retired at this at this point but hey <laughs> next one coming in from mile high mike hey fam been a minute since i've dropped a comment on the pod but i'm still around the guys in the madden league however still hear from me plenty i'm sure unfortunately i haven't been able to listen to the pod as much as i'd like to due to multiple factors one dad of two kids under two two the craziness of 2020 tends to put sports a couple notches down on the priority list and three probably the most significant is that my boss at my warehouse job recently decided phones were a problem and can no longer be accessed for the duration of my shift this cut my overall podcast consumption from about 20 hours a week on average to three or four hours due to the inability to listen while working. Bummer, but we're still happy that you're rolling with us, Mal. Hi, Mike. He says, now to get to the team before a TLDR becomes appropriate. Firstly, if anything I say or ask has been covered in recent weeks, forgive me or gloss over. One, I'm not worried about Locke or Judy yet. Give them both another year and see where they go. Two, this may be a little easy, but who are a couple of free agents that will be available this offseason that the Broncos should look into? And three, this has been a unique, unique difficult season to watch especially when a healthy roster could have affected so much what games do we win this season if everyone stays healthy do you refer back to your original season prediction of around 10 and 6 or having watched this season does that change sending love and holiday wishes to the dnvr fam i have spoken mile high mike love and holiday wishes to you as well mile high mike thanks for chiming in yeah i appreciate hearing from you and some some good thoughts there um I, I think it's with Locker Judy. I get where you're coming from, but I, I don't think with Lock you, you go in without uh, somebody else in the room just in case he doesn't develop. But my my instinct is to give him a chance to be the starter again 
in 2021. That's why I'm not really, I'm not really high on the, the Matthew Stafford notion, even though I think uh, he's going to be in the, in the conversation as well. Free agents to look into. Well, with Garrett Bowles re-signed and the potential to either re-sign or give Justin Simmons the franchise tag and a cap that is potentially at $175 million, the Broncos, I don't think are going to be that active. The other thing is they're trying to re-sign Shelby Harris right now. So the Broncos' activity in free agency appears to be primarily devoted to keeping guys. Frankly, Zach, I think the only area they're looking at right now primarily is quarterback on the market. Yeah, uh, I agree, Mace. And you're right. The Broncos aren't going to be spenders in free agency for the first time in, in a long time because they've drafted well and want to keep their own guys around, especially with the limited cap. They're not going to be big players this year, uh, which history would say is actually a good thing, Mace, because typically the teams that win in March aren't the ones that win on the field. And we've kind of seen that happen with the Broncos these last couple of years. And to his third point uh, or question, Mace, uh, coming in about um, – about our original predictions, if everyone was healthy, uh, it's hard for me to say that this would be a playoff team or a double-digit win team or even a winning team, Mace, when you just look at the stats. Take Drew Locke's name off it. Take Brett Rippon, Jeff Driscoll's name off it, and look at the Broncos' quarterback stats this year. That's hard to be even a 500 team. So I would actually say, even if the Broncos had Von Miller, Court and Sutton, all of these guys back, they're 500 this year with the way that their quarterbacks have played. Yeah. And the bottom line is, even though if you had Cortland Sutton, they had Juwan James at right tackle, would it be helpful? Yes. But helpful enough to where Drew Locke goes from being, uh, from being at or near the bottom of passer rating to being somewhere in the mid tier. That's a, that's a huge stretch. Even when you talk about bringing in, bringing Cortland Sutton. I mean, I don't know that in fact, it's highly unlikely that one, that a receiver like Cortland as outstanding as he is even has an impact where you're talking about Drew Locke being a mid tier quarterback, which is about a 93 passer rating at this point. So I do think that if those, if those players are in play, it's a, it's a frustrate it's a better season but it's still a frustrating season i think you can point to uh you can point to say that charger game on sunday perhaps um the the falcon game and uh maybe the titan game but that's still going that's still only gets you to 8 and 7 right exactly and that's exactly so, and, where and, i think you're sitting right now and that means you're out of the playoff conversation. Yeah, it, exactly. And it, it's how it's so difficult for any team to have success with with a poor quarterback situation. When we're talking poor, I mean, Mace, we're we're talking the one of the worst quarterback performances in the league from this team. That's so so hard to overcome. Yeah, exactly. That and, and that's the bottom line. It's not like we're talking about Drew Locke having. A, medi- a mediocre season, a, an, an, av- like an average season. Like uh, let's, if you just take the 36 quarterbacks who are eligible and if he had the 18th or 19th best passer rating, he'd be at 95.3 or 95.2 right between Mitchell Trubisky and Matthew Stafford. And 
that's a, that's a hell of a leap. And I don't, and I don't think that one player would have that sort of profound change from where he is right now. Bottom line is Drew Locke, even if he is, even if Drew Locke were 12 points better in passer rating, he would still, which is a, a, which is what you could expect a player like Cortland Sutton to have that sort of impact on a, and that's a profound impact from one player. He'd still be sitting there at 28 out of 36. Yeah. And Mace, the Bron- yeah, it's, it's not good enough. The Broncos as a team have the worst passer rating in the NFL, the worst passer or the worst completion percentage and the most interceptions thrown their bottom 10 in touchdowns thrown their bottom 10 in yards thrown their bottom 10 and in, in pretty much any stat I can find, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, being the worst in the league and interceptions, passer rating and completion percentages is uh, really tough for a team to overcome. Right. And remember this, if even if the Broncos had a normal drop rate and Drew Locke's drop rate is second worst uh, behind Carson Wentz, even if he had a, a league average drop rate, he's still not completing 60 percent of his passes. Right. Right. All right, Mace, before we go any further, got to tell you about our Colorado rugby coverage. And it's not just Colorado rugby coverage. It is American rugby coverage over at DDNVR.com, where our reporter, Colton Strickler, our guy does a great job keeping you up to date on all things American rugby because he is the American rugby insider because there's no better place to find American rugby coverage than at DDNVR.com. And our reporter, Colton Strickler, does a great job also delivering this news and podcasts and on Twitter. So make sure you're following us at DNVR rugby on Twitter and anywhere you find podcasts, you can search for DNVR rugby. He does a great job of having players on talking to them about what's going on, breaking down the game for those of us that are new to the game and also keeping you up to all the current events that are going on with rugby. So make sure to check us out the DNVR.com or anywhere you find podcasts at DNVR rugby and also on Twitter at DNVR rugby. Talk about another sport. Let's talk about golf and let's talk about our friends over at WGT golf, most popular golf game in the world and the official gaming partner of DNVR download WGT WGT and join the DNVR for a clubhouse by going to DNVRgolf.com. You can play it from the comfort of your couch or anywhere on the go. We've had a lot of uh, tournaments over the course of the last few weeks, especially we'll have some more coming up here in the new year. You can play uh, close to the hole or full stroke play on famous golf courses around the world, including Pebble Beach, Beth Page, Black, St. Andrews, Wolf Creek, Bandon Dunes, the ocean course at Kiwa Island, where the 2021 PGA championship is going to take place. All of those are there for you to play on WGT golf. And of course, because we've got all the DNVR clubhouse, you can take part in head to head matchups with players and DNVR community members from around the world and in tournaments and in real time, you can play WGT golf on all your favorite mobile devices and on the web. You can even play with the brands that you enjoy playing with in real life on WGT golf. So you can get virtual versions of Titleist, Callaway, Ping, TaylorMade, and more. So make sure you go to dmvrgolf.com and download WGT golf today. All right, mates. Next one coming in from asking for a friend. Were the, were the Broncos at their best? No COVID or no IR a playoff team this year. If not, where do they need to improve the old roster to move that needle? If yes, cool. 
run it back. Well, it's kind of just exactly what we were talking about, Mace. And, you know, you, you do point to the quarterback position. Obviously, the defense had their inconsistencies. At times showed they were the best defense in the league. At times showed they were one of the worst in the league. So it, it's not just all on the quarterback. Of course, Jerry Judy uh, had his drop problems on Sunday and has had those this season. There, there's been issues all over. But the main one is this team is not a playoff team with their quarterback position the way it was this year. So if everyone's healthy, I still don't believe they're a playoff team. And so the question when it comes to the quarterback position wasn't is what isn't was the quarterback play good enough this year? Because the answer is no. no, no one can point to the stats. The Broncos have had at quarterback and say that was good enough. The question is, do you believe that drew lock can be better next year? If you do, then you're rolling with him. If you think he can be sizably better, then you're rolling with him. If you don't, if you think he can just be a little better, well, then you're finding someone else. Right, and you're if you believe that he can be better, you're pointing to the uptick that he's shown over the last few weeks. Of course, he had that big game against Carolina, but if you take kind of the rolling three-game sample size on him, there's a slight but noticeable uptick over the course of the last few weeks uh, for, for Drew Locke after hitting a valley there uh, in – October and early November. So you would point to that, but you also say, okay, where does he go? If he improves, is that enough? Do you do, you know, the, the question that uh, David Tepper of the Panthers, the owner there, he, he brought this up kind of rhetorically, but it certainly put a guy like Teddy Bridgewater on notice and said, you know, if you don't believe you can win the Super Bowl with, with your quarterback, you're looking for somebody else. Do you believe you can win a Super Bowl with Drew Locke? If you don't believe that, you got to look around. Yeah, and 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 that's uh, it's kind of a uh, an interesting mindset to have, and one that Broncos country I know certainly has. If it's not Super Bowl worthy, then move on. Yep. Screw this. For those saying Jerry Judy is a bust, I'd like to point out that Devontae Adams, his second year, had very similar problems as Judy. He had 12 drops, a 53% catch rate, and one touchdown. Not to mention he had Aaron Rodgers throwing him the ball. Judy will be fine. He has has had three different quarterbacks throw to him, a limited offseason, and the chemistry between him and Locke has been terrible. But he still has over 700 yards and basically 14 games taking the Saints game out. Another thing I noticed Sunday was Locke was stepping up in the pocket a lot more. I feel like this game is one of his best games at reading the field. They didn't condense the field as much as previous games. Hopefully this week we see Locke take another step in the right direction. I'm glad you pointed out the stepping up in the pocket because – the last few weeks, one of the promising things is that he seems to have cured himself of the Simeon drift and he's <laughs> stepping up and he's willing to take off and take the five to seven yard run more often than he was before. It's not fancy, but it keeps the line moving. That, that's, that's a successful play. If they're giving you those five to seven yards on a scramble and coverage is, is strong on the back end, you take it, go on to the next play. If he did that in the red zone on the Broncos first drive mace, the Broncos probably win the game. And then we're talking about huge steps that drew lock took mm -hmm. on the road. So, uh, you know, he he's done a very good job of that recently. It's just about doing it every single time, making that smart play instead of just most of the time. Uh, so Mace, I have a question for you. This can be as easy as yes or no. Is Jerry Judy a bust? No. Yes, and that that's exactly oh. what Ryan and I said yesterday. He is he is not a bust. So screw this. We we completely completely agree with you. These are probably the same people who said Noah Fant was a bust last year, right? Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, it's it's it don't don't know. you know Mace's face palm and don't don't yeah. waste your time with that. Jerry Judy, mm. did he have a terrible, terrible game? Yeah, he certainly did. Is he the player? Uh has he reached his potential? No, absolutely not. He's he's a rookie, he's made rookie mistakes. When you take a step back for everything that's gone on, he's still had an encouraging year. Yeah, I have a headache thinking about <laughs> regarding anybody after a rookie season as a bust except maybe like a Paxton Lynch uh, shoot I have a headache thinking about Drew Locke as a bust because relative to second rounders he's actually right there in the meaty part of the curve maybe a little bit above for second round quarterbacks <laughs> yeah so yeah it's really maybe true. the maybe the dango HL baby you guys kind of blew over it at the time but how's Vic gonna trash the QB room but I have a pile of empathy for AJ AJ, are we talking about AJ Alexander Johnson? Uh, yeah, I talking I, about AJ Boye. Uh, it's yeah, it's yeah. not ringing any bells from yesterday. Um, what do you think of Vic, quote unquote, trashing the quarterback room? Mm. I think uh, Vic is as blunt as a spoon, and uh, that, that's just that's just what he does. I mean, like after the game, he kind of he kind of talked. To, he 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 didn't have good things to say about drew locks interception he didn't have good things to say about Devonte bosby's tackling didn't have good things to say about brandon mcmanus his kicking and hitting the upright twice in succession you should get a point for that by the way <laughs> if you do it twice in a row absolutely i mean it, it was all i could do in the quiet of a relatively empty press box on sunday to not laugh out loud when McManus's second try at a field goal hit the upright, oh my the same gosh. upright. It was like, oh my, like that on, on some level, that was a, that was amazing. It, it really was. It, it was incredibly <laughs> impressive with how unimpressive it was. And Mason, if you would have laughed in the press box, we all listening on TV probably wouldn't would have been able to hear you because man, that broadcast was quiet as can be. I felt like I was watching uh, a golf match the entire time. Yeah, it, it was it was interesting that I've covered games in empty stadiums this year, but that one felt the most dead. Yeah. Yeah, and, it it felt like it from the broadcast too. Yeah, like it, even like it, it felt dead at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas as well, but it was an open air press box and so we could kind of get a sense for the sound that they were piping in on it and but there in LA, the press box is behind glass, so it's sealed off. the The stadium was was just quiet as a mouse. It was it was it was it was a bizarre way to end twenty twenty, and uh, <laughs> a fitting way to end twenty twenty, I would say, given how strange this year was. Very fitting. Next one from Free Philip Lindsay. Didn't get the chance to say it yesterday, but I hope you guys had a very happy and safe holiday. Thank you. You as well, Free Philip Lindsay. If the 49ers draft a quarterback high this year, is there any world in which a trade could be made for Garoppolo? He's injury prone and people are divided on him, but he could provide good competition for Drew or just be a better hedge than someone like Darnold or Trubisky, neither of which may be available. It it looks like his dead cap drops to almost nothing for 21 and 22 thoughts. Ah, well, do you want to take on $24.1 million? He's not a hedge. If you do that, 
He's right. your guy. Because yeah, the dead money is nothing, but you would take on a big cap number for his his base salary next year is twenty four point one million. So it'd be the exact same thing as Joe Flacco, where it's friendly in terms of the the no mm-hmm. dead cap, but also he's not going to restructure for like five million dollars. Right. So that's the thing. Do you because and again with a with a one hundred seventy five million dollar cap, unless you are really doing some finagling here. If you bring it, if you bring in Jimmy Garoppolo, you're probably saying goodbye to somebody of value. Are you saying goodbye to Justin Simmons? Are you saying goodbye to Shelby Harris? Are you saying goodbye to both of them? Right. Yeah. Kareem Jackson, you may have to to let go of if you're talking about a contract like this. Yeah. So Von Miller, Mm -hmm. there's a there's a lot in play, and it's, it's the same conversation will come up if Matthew Stafford is on the market. That okay, you can fit this guy in, but you are having to say goodbye to some players that are key parts of what you've done and, uh, and then get to find a way to replace them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So Jimmy G isn't a hedge. He's your guy and you're going all out with him. If yeah. you do make that trade. Yeah. Yeah. Darnold's a hedge if he's available. Right. Um, Trubisky, I, I, you know what the bears, if they win on Sunday, you got to think they roll it back. They, they run it back with Trubisky in 2021, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. So anyway, pick tosser 66 random rant here. I really wish the NFL would change the timing of the draft and free agency and flip flop them to have the draft first. Somehow nothing about the way they have it now makes sense to me. You're supposed to build a team through the draft and fill major holes in free agency. Right now teams are having to reach in the draft for positions of need instead of really trying to build with talent by taking the best player available with the majority of their picks. The overall quality of the NFL on-field product would be better if the draft was first. And I know the NFLPA wants veterans to be cashing in as much as possible, and I think changing the timing would hurt that, but I think it would do the opposite. Teams would be more desperate to throw money at free agents to fill glaring holes in free agency if it was after the draft. Right now, a lot of teams are waiting for the draft instead of spending their money. Final thought on this. If we didn't already sign Case Keenum to big money free agency in 2018, do we draft a QB at five or even trade up to get Darnold that year? I wholeheartedly agree pick toss for 66, even though the way of the, the way of basketball, hockey, football is draft, is free agency, then draft. Or no, pardon me. In the NBA, it's draft and free agency. They don't hockey. So the yeah, my bad. I got it backwards. <laughs> the NFL. I, I think they've got it wrong here. And I would like to see the draft not only take place before free agency, but take place earlier. But that's not going to happen because draft season has become a season onto itself. Yeah. The NFL recognizes this. It basically is a three, it's a three month buildup from the senior bowl to the NFL draft. They love having this be basically a second season of conversation. So unfortunately, I don't think it's changing. But the other thing I'll say, pick tosser 66, is back in 2011, the year of the lockout, it didn't stop teams from spending money on the free agent market. The Broncos were relatively quiet, but there were some teams like Carolina, for example, went on a spending spree uh, to keep to uh, mostly to keep their own players. But there were some big contracts doled out around the league in that late summer free agent period. Yeah, and Pick Tosser 66, you sold me on this when you said you're supposed to build the team through the draft and fill major holes in free agency. Well, I mean, right there, that's all you need to know uh, in terms of how this should be. But Mace, you're absolutely right. The draft is huge. 
the NFL is never going to change that. They're never going to temper their expectations for the mm-hmm. draft and move it to February. No, 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 no. That's not where the money is. Not happening. Not happening at all. <laughs> not happening at all. And before we get out of here, guys, got to tell you about our friends over at WGT Golf because WGT Golf is not only the world's most popular golf game, it's my most popular game, period. The past decade, I absolutely love WGT Golf because it's so realistic and because you get to play real places, which makes it so much fun. I love playing Pebble Beach, going across the pond to St. Andrews. It's so much fun. They have so many courses there, and we want you guys to play with us. So how do you do that? Well, download WGT Golf by going to dnvrgolf.com. It's free to download. We ask that you go to dnvrgolf.com because it lets WGT know that you want to play with us. Once you've downloaded WGT Golf, go into the country club section and search for DNVR for country club. We have almost a thousand members in our country club section right now, and we want you to get in to grow the family with us. It's free to play. It's free to download. And it's really fun. And what's also great about it is you can play for five minutes or you can play for two hours on your phone, in your bed, when you're, uh, you know, taking a road trip and someone else is driving. WGT is the place to go. So make sure to check them out at dnvrgolf.com. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us on this terrific Tuesday, week 17. Can't believe the season is almost over, but that pretty much means another season's right around the corner, Mace, meaning draft season, free agency. We'll break it all down after we break down this Raiders game. Make sure to join us tomorrow on YouTube as we'll be going live probably in the 8 o'clock hour, so make sure to stay tuned for that. But for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you so much for rolling with us today, and have a fantastic Tuesday. Get me